You know, I'm going to give you a history lesson. We got some dumbass motherfuckers floating around this country. <laughs> Stop laughing! And when I do, start fucking. Also, y'all did some nasty-ass jokes on my ass, too. Funny jokes and unfunny jokes come out of the same birth. You fucking guys are unbelievable. Why are you laughing? Evening, everybody. Welcome to Why Are You Laughing? A History of Comedy podcast. And today, I am pleased to introduce to you Charlie Sheen, The Tiger Blood Saga. The uh, CBS and Two and a Half Men took on Charlie Sheen, and they had no idea the machine, the buzzsaw that they were running into. (laughs) Uh, It was honestly a wild time and the start of a lot of like online uh social media type of drama i feel like um the tiger blood stuff that we'll get into today like mel gibson uh michael richards was all kind of an era that was in a four or five year window where youtube was really getting cooking so uh we will get into all of that today um and you forget that like two and a half men is Probably one of the most successful sitcoms of the 2000s. So, well, that, that if you're wondering, that's how it fits into comedy. But it'd be it would be on an all time uh, list, probably. I, I yeah. Well, we'll get into all. But first, I do want to remind you guys. Uh, thank you for supporting the program thus far. But if you want to go above and beyond, then you can join the Patreon or just support the show for free on Apple, Spotify, YouTube by leaving five star reviews, subscribing. Uh, you know, liking and tapping the notification bell on YouTube, even though apparently we're demonetized, so nothing matters. It's chaos out there, but support the show. That's why you go to the Patreon, folks, because we're too hot for YouTube. Um, and you get uh, bonus episodes on there. The Opie and Jim episode, or Opie versus Jim episode, is up there now. People seem to be enjoying that. That's our longest episode ever, two hours. We hit on that one, and... uh by the way, we'll touch on it on the Blind Mike project later this week. Uh, two hours doesn't cover anywhere near all of it because these guys are still bickering after all these years. Um, but uh, yeah, so the bonus, that bonus episode exclusive on Patreon. Um, and we'll also be doing a mini episode about uh, Norm on The View. And if you want these episodes a week early as well, then uh, make sure you join the Patreon. Um Appreciate it. It seems like a lot of new people on there and they're enjoying why you're laughing. So uh, if you want to become one of them, do that. If you wouldn't mind blindmike.net is where you can find all that stuff. Um, yeah, you know, it's weird. Cause uh, Craig, you just said uh, two and a half men might be, be on some all time lists of sitcoms, at least as far as success. And it's like, I don't think of it that way because it didn't it was a very standard sitcom it didn't change anything didn't revolutionize anything um it was stuff we've seen before with joke jokes we've heard before but it was massively successful and maybe it was exactly that like people just liked something they could turn their brain off hear dumb sex jokes or hey charlie's an alcoholic we could laugh at that um because i do think we have we the era of Sopranos, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, uh, I think a lot of that has caused us to scrutinize the sitcom too harshly. Mm. And so now we're looking for, we're like, oh, well, people, that would never happen. It's like, yeah, you know, but sometimes you can just laugh at a dumb thing happening, you know? Yeah, like I liked, uh, I liked Two and a Half Men, like when I was on, but I never like seeked it out. Like if it was on the television, I would watch it and then not hate it. 
It's classic Craig comedy. It fits right into the Craig, Dane Cook, Chris D'Elia, two <laughs> oh, and a half oh, men. Those are his big three, he calls them. The last one there was a bit of... <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, so uh, Charlie Sheen obviously kind of made a... I don't know if you could really call it a comeback. I don't know how down he was, but I know, you know, he's had some legal and drug issues throughout his entire career. So he does, you know, platoon and major league and, uh, uh, wall streets, all these very successful movies. Um, and then in the nineties, he was kind of down for a bit, but then made a comeback with spin city when, uh, Michael J. Fox left. And then, uh, CBS has the idea of bringing these two kind of, 80s stars together to play brothers, um, John Cryer and Charlie Sheen. And essentially, Charlie is playing himself. His name is Charlie. He's a very wealthy guy who has nothing but time on his hands to, uh, you know, booze and fuck, essentially, <laughs> is his role. So it wasn't too much of a departure from his real life. And it was super successful early on. Um, I mean, throughout its whole run, it was pretty successful. That's the weird thing about sitcoms now is like legitimately something could be the most successful thing on television and you'll know no one that watches it. Oh yeah. Like big bang theory, big bang theory had 20 million viewers at a time. And you know, no one I know was why it's very, it's very strange how sitcoms worked out. Well, no one my age watched, like my parents watched that. That's true. And I think that's probably true of two and a half men as well, where they were kind of, they were at a time where everyone was still watching network TV, at least when they started. Um, but as time went on, I think it kind of phased towards older people and people in the Midwest and, you know, people who just wanted to fucking uh, watch Charlie Sheen make some some dick jokes for a half an hour. Right. Uh, so everything was going great. And Charlie Sheen was the highest paid actor on television. Uh, he was making one point two five million dollars an episode. And let's not forget those seasons are generally about 24 episodes. So the guy was raking in some serious money. And for the first few seasons of the show, uh, by all accounts, he was sober, I guess. Um, Yeah, I don't know how true that is, but that's what everyone says, that he was sober at the beginning of the show. And they do say you could kind of tell by his mood. Like, you know, he was very with it. He was chatty on set and he would be friendly. And then there was kind of a stark change at a certain point. Um, Because not right around the same time that the show debuted, uh, he got married to Denise Richards. Babe. They had a couple of kids together. And then we get to uh, our topic today, the beginning of the demise. In the court documents, it was alleged that Denise accused Charlie of prescription medication abuse, violent mood swings, compulsive gambling, and the use of pornography. Charlie attempted to brush the claims off as baseless and vile. During a bitter custody dispute later that year, she claimed that he had physically and verbally abused and threatened to kill her. Denise felt like she had no choice but to get a restraining order against him. By 2006, Denise and Charlie continued with divorce proceedings, and the papers were signed. The couple was officially divorced. So, uh, you know, by all accounts, this is kind of the start of uh, Charlie. And people say it's because he got divorced that he went back to booze and drugs. Um, It could also be that he started using again, and that's why he and Denise Richards started having problems. Uh, Who knows? But it got extremely ugly. Uh, It was very ugly in the press 
Um, and this lasted for a long time, by the way, they mm. would, you know, kind of add, this is, um, after our story ends, uh, they kind of reconciled and they would go on vacations together. And then after that, there are, uh, voicemails where he's calling his daughter a little pig whore, which I thought was only Alec Baldwin. I thought he had that trademarked, but apparently it was a common thing uh, back then that you call, leave a voicemail and call your daughter a whore. That's what big time actors did. Um, but yeah, this, this uh, got extremely ugly and uh, it all, you know, played out in the press and there were a lot of uh, um, back and forth. The one interesting allegation I hear in there is like, you know, drug use he was abusive and also he watched pornography god damn. Not get in there <laughs> he watched porn it's a very strange allegation to throw in there but i'm sure there's some kind of context well, i mean if he's doing it in the living room while his kids are home right yeah that's what i'm saying is there's there's gonna be some kind of content just a funny throwaway like and can you believe he's cranking it this guy <laughs> can you believe he does what every guy does <laughs> after all that um yeah so you know, the demise kind of starts right there. People noticed a, a, a drastic difference on set. He was, you know, uh, he would be, well, I was about to say he would, he would be late, but here's the great dispute is that, you know, the network kind of got tired of dealing with him. And that's one of the things they would throw out is that he would, you know, miss rehearsal. He would so show up late for recordings. And Charlie was saying, no, no, no. I was always there. Like I was there. I was there when I needed to be. Who cares what I'm doing offset? Uh, but as we're about to play, there is some reason for the network to care what he's doing offset when it comes to legal issues. I believe this is in about 2008. Um, he's married to now uh, Brooke Mueller. The divorce is finalized with Denise Richards, um, and he is now uh, remarried to another woman. And this is on Christmas morning, I believe this took place, of uh, 2008. Charlie Sheen spent the better part of Christmas Day in a Colorado jail cell. Here's his mugshot. Authorities say the 44-year-old was arrested on domestic violence allegations after officers responded to a 911 call from a house he's believed to be staying at. An ambulance did go to the Aspen house, but the accuser was not taken to the hospital. Authorities are not identifying the person. Sheen is married. He married a real estate investor in May 2008. The couple have twin boys born in March. Sheen's lawyer has cautioned against any rush to judgment, saying he believes it's much ado about nothing. Nothing to see here, folks. No big deal. Don't worry about it. You guys remember my brother Emilio? So, uh, the, the story apparently is that he and Brooke, um, who was the one who called, uh, but he and Brooke started drinking real early Christmas morning. Um, I assume the kids were not there, uh, because they got real toasted and it, uh, you know, came to some sort of blows apparently. Um, and you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's not, there's a lot of ugliness to Charlie Sheen. We'll see what the the cast of two and a half men saw a lot of different sides to him as we play some clips throughout the episode. Uh, and you know, that's what we're not going to do a, a, a feel good episode about drug addiction, but that's what drugs do to you. Um, so there is partially that to blame, but uh, one a mini episode I've been thinking about doing on Patreon is uh, Donald Glover's special weirdo. The one comedy special that he did for comedy central. Yep. And he has a bit in there 
where he says uh, the one guy, the one white guy that's allowed to say the N word is Charlie Sheen. Uh, because there was some recording of him like calling Denise Richards the N-word. <laughs> and Donald Glover was like, I like that. A guy that just like can't get his seatbelt in right and he shouts the N-word. <laughs> yeah. I do remember that. So so he was going he was going through uh, you know, some some dark times. So then we cut to season eight of Two and a Half Men. Um, which I mean most sitcoms in syndication don't even make it that long. So we're talking season eight, this starts to flame out, and uh that's well into the run of two and a half men. Season Charlie. eight, twenty-four episodes a season, one point two five million per Whew. I mean, that's what, twenty-eight million dollars or something like that? Um so a season <laughs> making twenty twenty-eight million dollars a year. Um you know, and these on they're technically on top of the world. I think as far as um, creative, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Satis- creative satisfaction of some kind. Uh, I can I can imagine it getting a little monotonous, but you know they're they're nominated for Emmys every year and they're yep. uh, number one sitcom on CBS. So life is pretty good, and Charlie was enjoying his life. He was taking that money and really having some fun with it. So uh, now we start to get into uh, kind of his demise, right? Yeah, this was uh, bipolar. Yeah, so this is him talking about uh, whether or not he is bipolar, I think. Your anger and your hate, I think, is coming off as erratic to people. Passion, my passion. Okay, your passion is coming off as erratic to people. Right, well, you borrow my brain for five seconds and just be like, dude, can't handle it. Unplug this bastard. Yeah, because it just, it fires in a way that is, um, I don't know, maybe not from this particular uh, terrestrial uh, realm. I think some of those things that you're putting out there are making people think something's wrong with you. That's... That's up to, that has nothing to do with me, really. I mean, they're, they're entitled to, I suppose, interpret stuff um, as they must. Some are, a doctor of. What some are, are doctor saying that of? you're bipolar. Wow, what does that mean? I guess that, you know, you're on two ends of the spectrum. Wow, and then what? What's the cure? Medicine? Make me like them? Not gonna happen. I'm bi-winning. I win here and I win there. Now what? If I'm bipolar, aren't there moments where a guy like crashes and it's like in the corner, like, oh my God, it's all my mom's fault. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Stop. Move forward. <laughs> I love, I love, I, you know, I've dealt with a few uh, drug addicts in my day and I love when they're giving examples, like, wouldn't I be doing this? And it's like, oh, we're watching you do it, Charlie. <laughs> It's so, like, wouldn't I be going through manic episodes? I just yes. like that. Wouldn't it be my, my mom's fault? Oh, boo hoo. <laughs> yeah. So this is, I mean, we st- we're, we're getting into some uh, pretty famous clips here. Like winning uh, was a phrase that, you know, lasted long enough to become exhausting. It was oh, one yeah. of those that really stuck around. And then when you heard someone saying, you know, oh, this is a cornball that just found something from three years ago. It went from cool to hack so quick. Yeah, very quick. Because this was one of the most popular things. And this was going viral when viral meant like literally everyone. Right. You know, like now something can go viral. You know, that means it has a few hundred thousand views. It could easily be missed. But this is at a time, 2011 or 2010 is a time where 
we're still kind of all paying attention to the same stuff. You know, the internet is, is there, obviously there's a bunch of different outlets, but you know, we're still all pretty much watching TV streaming services hadn't taken off. Uh, certainly not the way they are now. Um, so we're all kind of focused on the same stuff. So everyone is watching this Charlie Sheen meltdown. And not only was it being broadcast on uh, every radio station and being talked about on every talk radio station, but he was essentially calling every talk radio station. <laughs> so, you know, I know he called into like Alex Jones and all these shows. Um, I didn't remember this. So I hadn't moved to Boston. I was uh, in college when this happened and I had not moved out to Boston yet. I didn't realize um, a big morning show out here, Toucher and Rich, was one of the shows he called. And then Craig was telling me before the show, this I really didn't know. I guess he called them at like 1.30 in the morning it, and they just went to the studio and broadcast for like three or four hours? For hours. He was in there just ripping butts and just brain dumping all night. <laughs> just in the middle of the night? Yeah. Was, yeah. He, was he physically there or he called in? He was physically there. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I didn't know that, and I didn't know that show, so I didn't know them as. Uh, if, even if you said Toucher and Rich, I wouldn't have known who they were at the time. But yeah, he was doing shit like that. He was just on this bizarre manic tirade, and this, by the way, is I, I, I should have set it up a little better. Um, it is after uh, Chuck Chuck Lorre, who is, I mean, you know, say what you want about him a giant in the television world has his hand in some of the, the biggest sitcoms ever. Like this guy has to be worth uh, an astronomical amount of money. Standby. Because he has, he has a piece of um, some, some massive, massive sitcoms and he knows, you know, again, creatively you can, you can, you know, do some trashing. Oh oh my God. Yes. Give me a number. Yes. 300 million. Double that. $600 million. Yes. And you know, I want it. And it's more than that. Cause he always has residuals coming in constantly. Um, you know, like anything on CBS in the last 20 years, essentially has been him. Uh, so he, he, he's a, a monstrous success. And Oh, what I was about to say was, you know, creatively you can trash the guy and say he does some pretty hollow stuff, but he knows how to make a sitcom that will appeal to people that are watching a sitcom at 8 PM on CBS. You know, the guy knows his audience and has certainly catered to it. Uh, So anyways, he has, he sees some of the stuff with Charlie Sheen and the way I remember it, because, you know, I was in college at the time. So I remember thinking this way where I was like, Ah, fuck the man, Charlie. Do what you want to do. If you're showing up when you need to be there, party on, Chuck. You're you're the man. And then I go back and I hear, you know, how he was kind of treating the cast and crew, the domestic violence charges, all this sort of stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, that does seem like a headache where all CBS did. It's funny because I had such a different memory of this. Um, I thought of CBS as the bad guys, you know, the corporate suits. And then when you look at it, all they really did was say, hey, Charlie, we're putting the show on hiatus until you get yourself better. And uh, we are mandating that you go to rehab. We're forcing you to go to rehab. And that was Charlie's big gripe, essentially. And so when you kind of look at it that way, you're like, 
what the fuck, dude? You know, they're paying you over a million dollars a year or over a million dollars an episode, rather over $20 million a year. You couldn't just go to rehab, you know, just go for like three months. Now in Charlie's eyes, he's like, Hey, rehab doesn't work. Why would I keep going? I'm just going to do drugs when I get out, you know? So I get Charlie not wanting to do it. And like I said, I do get the element of like, Hey, if you're showing up on time, keep cashing those checks. But if you're becoming exhausting to deal with and you're literally getting in legal troubles, um, then yeah, I can understand why CBS didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. Do you, do you know what Charlie Sheen's current net worth is at? I'll say 85 million. I wish dude. He's at 10 million. No, he went through some real, real problems with gambling. Charlie. <laughs> yeah. That's less than half a season. I know. Two and a half men. I know. That's fucking <laughs> crazy. Speak. That's crazy. Oh, man. Well, uh, I'm amazed he didn't make uh, money off of all the T-shirt slogans that he created during this time. Because uh, we've got a few more classic clips from this era. This really was, uh, as from a branding perspective, uh, Charlie Sheen was printing T-shirts every single day. <laughs> because wow. he was doing all these interviews in this, you know, manic. He He's saying he's sober. Which is, uh, if you ever listen to Artie Lang, it's an interesting like insight into the psyche of a drug addict. Yeah, and this is true. Like I've had you know friends do this as well, but Artie Lang will say, you know, there's time. There's a lot of times where I'm talking about uh, how how glad I am that I'm sober, and how idiotic I was when I was on drugs. And while I'm telling that story, I'm on heroin. <laughs> <laughs> well, all you have to do is watch. Just watch him in the clip we just played, the one we're about to play. Watch him and just keep that in mind when we play the last clip. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, look at the, just the difference in his voice and everything. The way he even looks. Uh, yeah. Uh, but what's the next clip? This is Tiger Blood. Yeah, this is the big uh, this is the big one. Again, if you thought winning was bad, people referencing this clip got even more exhausting. When was the last time you used? Use uh, I don't use I use a blender, I use a vacuum cleaner, I use uh, you know, I you know, household items. Uh, when was the last time I ingested oh, or took drugs? <laughs> it annoys me that at the time it was viewed like he was on this rock star rampage, mm-hmm. and then you look back and it's like He's just being a, a nudge, He's, an annoying. Oh well, I technically I use vacuums. It's like, all right, Charlie. He's just a junkie. Come on, answer my question. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, you know, household items. Uh, when was the last time I ingested or took drugs? Yes. When you was the last time you took drugs? Such an AA stupid um, expression or term. I don't remember. I do not remember. A week ago, two weeks ago, two days ago, ago. six weeks. I don't know. I don't know. It was a couple days before the suits rolled in and said, change it, change everything. We're shutting you down. Tell me about the last time you took drugs. The last time I took drugs, um, I probably took more than than, than anybody could survive. You know, what are we um, talking about? How much? I don't know, man. I was banging seven gram rocks and finishing them because that's how I roll. I have one speed. I have one gear. Go. How do you survive that? Because I'm because I'm me. Because I'm me, I'm different. I just have a different constitution. I have a different brain. I have a different heart. I have a different, you know, I get tiger blood, man. You don't worry that you're going to die when you take that many drugs? Dying's for fools. (laughs) (laughs) 
he's you know he's talking in a lot of uh, great slogans that's for sure but yeah tiger blood became uh, kind of his catchphrase throughout this thing that he literally turned into a tour which we'll get to yep but yeah you, you like you know he's really going off the rails here and that's a thing where you know it's a thing that drug addicts do like he, you see you hear him there deflecting and then admitting to, you know, admitting they used to do drugs and be like, oh, I I was doing crazy amounts of drugs, which is, you know, um, it's standard of a, of a, a junkie, but it's also like kind of brilliant in a way because it disarms you. You're like, oh, well, he's telling the truth about that. I'm going to have to believe whatever he says next. I would have been like, you're not blatantly on cocaine right now. Yeah. Boy, you seem, this doesn't look like the guy that was in platoon. You seem a little <laughs> off, Chuck. <laughs> I saw hot shots. This isn't the same guy. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, that's the other thing about Charlie too, is he, he has such like a diverse he was in a lot of great comedies and drama. Like he truly is a great actor. Yeah. Um, which is why it was, it's weird that he was on this just generic show, but I think it speaks to the credit of a great actor because a great actor like Charlie Sheen can make a a fairly generic script. Well, let me ask you this. Did uh, a hit show, did the show work with Ashton Kutcher? That's that's exactly that's exactly my point, Craig. <laughs> now you could also argue, um, twelve seasons in, when the plot has completely been derailed, true, it wasn't necessarily set up for success either. But yeah, I I just remember watching me like this is not even passable. Like it was terrible. Yeah, yeah, I didn't watch much. I just watched the first episode to see what they uh, did with it, and they killed them. Just the plot didn't make much sense, but. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. We're, we're still, uh, right in the thick of it, right in the thick of Charlie's demise here. I think this is the, this is uh, his message to Chuck Lorre. Yeah, this picks up, it picks up kind of in the, in the middle of his message, but, um, yeah, he has a message for Charlie, uh, for, uh, Chuck Lorre and, uh, uh, the powers that be at CBS. Rotting dog shit. The fermented <laughs> puke that is your viscera. Can you smell the lies? Can you smell the carnage you've created? Can you smell the imposter living within? Can you smell the whimpering, scared child you'll never have the courage to embrace? Can you smell your mother's tears from some distant memory as she stared at her pathetic creation, asking all around her why this feeble abortion survived? Can you smell it, Chuck? It smells like malaria, in case you were wondering. If sad and stupid had a foul odor attached, it would be you, fuck Bory. You gotta hate that your stage name rhymes with suck. Personally, I find it perfect. Suck and muck. You picked a fight with a warlock, you little worm. Remember this. After that first drink back. The drink you know you want. The drink you can't avoid any longer. How's it taste? How's it feel? Are you whole again? At peace, in love, you are no match for this warlock. My power will consume you every losing day, ugly whore. (laughs) Let's do a scene, maggot. I speak first, duh. Me. Are you an assailant? Fuck, Maury. I'm a showrunner. (laughs) Me. You'll neither. You're an ugly clown sent by corporate fools to collect your fill. 
Chew heartily, loser. I really Shortly abandoned the now, Brando impression halfway through. I know. Nothing. How's last night's 2.8 in the demo feel? Ouch. How about last night's 2.6 as well to follow it? Should have gone up and said it went down like you on some $4 trollop. Sizzle, losing, bye. You're all nothing shy of traitors. Your rational egos will be your downfall. Mark this warlock's words. Defeat is not an option. That, by the way, is him talking about uh, ratings, if you're wondering what numbers he's throwing out there and everything. But, uh, yeah, so this is something he would do. After he made the rounds in radio, he was essentially like, hey, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to battle two and a half men, and I'm going to go live on Ustream um, before YouTube had, like, a live uh, feature. There was something called Ustream, and that's where uh, the Joe Rogan experience started. Right. Um. He just he would go live on uh, Ustream, and uh, it made it very easy. It's actually funny because like Rogan started there, Charlie Sheen would go on there. Um, like they had they had people that were doing kind of big things on there. I guess maybe just the technology it wasn't set up to succeed really because they were off to a hot start. They had the head start over YouTube for uh, live streaming like that. Um, but yeah, Charlie, Charlie was now doing this and really trying to, it's interesting. Cause you see, first of all, the, the main thing is you see, uh, why actors act and writers write. I mean, suck Bory is not a great dig. I gotta say Chuck suck. Huh? <laughs> it's pretty, pretty. You can tell he didn't write a lot of his own stuff. No kidding. Um, but you know, he's he's uh, trying to stick it to the man and take down the network that he believes uh, wronged him. But it's also interesting when you see a guy who's in such a like drug fueled state, <laughs> think think he's being like deep. Right. And just kind of pontificating on the, you know, the inner workings of the mind. <laughs> Think, you're, thinking you're like, wow, man. And then when you listen back, you're like, Jesus Christ. Because I remember people thinking like, boy, Charlie's on a real rampage. And then you look back, you're like, oh, he's just a, a maniac. Yeah, you're lucky your name's not Stu. Ah, boy. <laughs> the field day would have with that. Uh, all right. Where are we now? Uh, now it's Charlie versus CBS. Um, okay, let's hear a little more about that. It's kind of, I think it's kind of in the same vein, but let's hear about it. Didn't CBS have a right to shut your show down? They're reading about you partying at all hours of the night, taking drugs, abusing alcohol. It's their show. Epic, epic behavior. Um, <laughs> hold on a second. Hold on. <laughs> like, it's going to be hard for him to dig himself out of the hole because he's not saying... He starts with epic instead of, oh, I didn't do any of that. He's the reason that word became huge, too. <laughs> was I, I don't remember that one being one of his uh, slogans. I remember him saying it. That's for epic. sure. Just being like, epic. Yeah. It bothers me. Still today, you'll see people say winning, and it's kind of annoying. Oh, like, yeah. They'll be like, winning. Charlie like, Sheen from 12 years ago? Ew. What <laughs> <laughs> are you doing? That was an annoying two months. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so I, you know, that's a very fair question. It's what we've been kind of talking about here, and immediately he exonerates CBS and all of this by saying, "Oh yeah, it was all it was it was tremendous what I was doing." <laughs> yep, you're correct. I was doing all of that. No, because 
After reading about that, then they observed the guy hitting every mark, nailing every every line, every joke. What's your strategy? With a full house screaming. Ever miss a day of work? Um, not a day that cost anybody any money. I missed practice. We're talking about practice. To quote the great Allen Iverson. Practice. Yeah, hold on, Charlie. Come on, guys. We're talking about okay. practice. When, Charlie. When you're going on a uh, drug-induced-fueled ramp- fueled rampage, uh, maybe don't quote a notorious publicly drunk Allen Iverson. <laughs> he was actually with him. <laughs> to quote the great Allen Iverson, <laughs> who was shit-faced at the time. Charlie Sheen and Chuck Lorre haven't spoken since the shutdown, but in our interview, Sheen wanted to address Chuck directly. If Chuck Lorre is watching right now, yeah. I imagine he probably is. He should be. What do you want to say to him? It's funny you'd ask. I actually have my questions right here. Because Chuck is the only man in the known universe who can answer these. And people are begging for an answer to these questions. Chuck, number one, why is it when I was ready to return to work, you told me there are no scripts ready to shoot? So obviously begs the second part of the question. Uh, what would we have shot had you not ordered the suits into my home to shut down my party? So you're saying he didn't write any scripts to even shoot a show? I'm, I can't speak for him. I'm just putting these out there because I think they're... They warrant an explanation. It's interesting uh, to just to keep hammering home the point of how different my perspective was as a uh, basically a kid when uh, all this was happening. Um, I remember thinking about uh, Chuck Laurie. Like I, so when I started uh, doing research for this, even. Uh, I found a clip of Chuck Lorre sp- talking to like Entertainment Tonight or something, and um, the the caption of the video is uh, Chuck Lorre calls Charlie Sheen a friend, and my immediate reaction was like, "Oh, that piece of sh- that smug liar." <laughs> and then, like as I did more and more just digging up of like the old interviews and everything. I was like, oh, he was genuinely trying to help this man. <laughs> I think I think Chuck Lorre's hands are pretty clean in all of this. He's a great guy. He was he was trying to get the I mean, hey, maybe he's a real scumbag. A lot of people in Hollywood are. But in this instance, I don't think he did anything wrong. Not even a little bit. <laughs> At least not that I could find. Let me know. Uh, you know, we'll correct it. Um uh, next week or something, if if you know of something uh, Chuck Lorre really did wrong, uh, Chuck Lorre, by the way, if that is your real name, <laughs> get to that in a moment. Uh, but yeah, it's funny because I was like, oh, you know, um, I think anyone, when you go to college, your mentality is like, fuck. The-. Well, I was watching Entourage at the time. I was a big Entourage guy. So I was like, fuck the suits, man. Screw corporate. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, oh, yeah, Chuck Lorre is probably an asshole. And then, like, looking back, it's like, oh, this is a story of executives trying to get their highest paid actor help for the complete spiral he's going down. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, you know, you hear in there, he's like, well, I mean, I didn't cost them any money. It's like, but they see where this is headed, Charlie, you know? He should tell him to be like, shut up, suit. <laughs> the crowd goes wild. Yeah. Like Billy Walsh, right, guys? Yeah. Um, are we at the. Uh, um, now, I, it, what's hilarious is like they tried to cancel Charlie Sheen at a certain point. It's like the, the body's already dead. You know? <laughs> Has he done. You guys have won. 
But uh, are we at the accusations of anti-Semitism now? Yeah. Has he done anything since then? Uh, oh, well, yes, he had. He had a very, since uh, Two and a Half Men, you mean? Yeah. So he had a very interesting deal after Two and a Half Men. FX capitalized on, you know, kind of the hot streak that Charlie was on and signed him to uh, be in this show called Anger Management. Right, which right, was right, like right, right, right. Very, very loosely based on the movie Anger Management with uh, Jack Nicholson and Adam I, I, do, I remember that. But what's, what's interesting about that is uh, they signed him to a deal where it was like if season one got picked up, I'm, I'm getting, uh, you know, I'm partially getting this wrong, I'm sure. But it was something to the effect of if season one got picked up, they had to guarantee 100 episodes. And I believe they did. I believe they had to shoot 100 episodes of that dog shit show. How much did he get for an episode of that? Probably a lot less because it was on its cable. Right. And I think it was on at like 10 o'clock at night or something. So, yeah, uh, a lot less, I imagine. How does he only have 10 million? Um. Yeah, the it's very weird, but yeah. But yeah, anyways, anti-Semitism. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. Like you're watching a man completely spiral. He's lost his family completely. Uh, he's lost his job, and you're watching him in a you know coke fueled tirade against CBS. And some people are like, you know what we should do? We should get him for using bad language. Sheen denied to Good Morning America being an anti-Semite after mockingly referring to Two and a Half Men's creator Chuck Lorre by his Hebrew name in this interview on The Alex Jones Show. There's nothing um, uh, this side of deplorable that a certain Haim Levine, yeah, that's Chuck's real name, uh, mistook this rock star for his own selfish exit strategy, bro. In a text message to our Andrea Canning, Sheen, referring to his own birth name, wrote, so you're telling me anytime someone calls me Carlos Estevez, I can claim they are anti-Latino. It's actually a pretty cogent point by Charlie. Yeah, there was nothing anti-Semitic in there. No, no, not at all. I remember when I was looking for the clip, um, I was like, I remember him using the real like Hebrew name, but I thought some slurs were thrown in there. And I was like, oh, that was it. He just called him Heim Levine, which is like, it's a, a tactic a lot of people, you, you know, like when, uh, when Rogan was going after Mencia, he called him Ned Holdness. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 it kind of unmasks someone or undresses them, for lack of a better term. So it's funny that we're, we like tried to spin that and we're like, hey, I mean, the, the story already involves uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Let's throw in some racism. What do you say? <laughs> uh, but that one didn't really stick because Charlie... It didn't really have anything you could cancel him from at this point. He's uh, starting to flame out. Um, and yeah, as uh, Craig mentioned earlier, they uh, recast the show with Ashton Kutcher and it lasted for another like five or six seasons. Was it that long? Uh, look that up when we play the next clip, just to be sure. See how many episodes Ashton Kutcher was in. Um, but it, it was several. It was too long. Um, but, uh, first let me know where we are right now. Uh, John Cryer. Yeah. So this is, uh, is, you know, 
um, castmate and co-star John Cryer, kind of just talking about the uh, relationship and how it all played out. We had a great first few years on that show. It was incredibly smooth. We had a, we had a lovely time. It was working really well. Um, I think, uh, you know, as, as what happens, you know, with, with a lot of people who are dealing with substance issues, you know, he had, uh, he was sober when we started. Um, he was very proud of his sobriety. Um, but then after his marriage to Denise Richards, uh, collapsed, um, I think he started using again and, uh, and at first he could handle it and he was still incredibly professional and still lovely, by the way, to everybody on the set, but you could just see that stuff was wearing on him. What was it like for you to be in the middle of Charlie's implosion as it played out before the world? Oh, gosh, it was uh, uh, well, it was crazy because it became one of the first uh, Internet storms, you know, and there's all that. Plus the fact that all of our jobs are tied into this guy, you know, uh, and, you know, we're all his friends. It was it was very, very strange. And uh, uh, I I the aspects of it, I just absolutely hated. But, you know, I'm grateful for the years that were great. I mean, so that's going to be a fucking horrible spot for John Cryer to be in because he's like, you got this. I've got this easy gig, you know. He was a guy like he had so he had a run in the eighties where he was in some shit, and then kind of went nowhere, and now he's got this. I'm sure he was very highly paid as well, um, like even when Charlie was there, obviously. So he's got this easy gig, and now it's all going to shit, and he gets dragged into it because when he kept. Uh, when he proceeded without Charlie Sheen and went into the Ashton Kutcher era, uh, Charlie started calling him a traitor, uh, but then would go back and say later that he was joking. Um, and so it's weird because, like, that's the, the terrible thing, or one of the many terrible things about drug addiction is, like, you sympathize with the person and you're like, oh, they're behaving this way because they're on drugs. But then you have to, and you know, I guess everyone just has their, their own line, but you have to decide like, okay, how much, where does my sympathy or empathy end? You know, like, where do I stop saying, oh, this is because of the drugs and eventually just say, hey, fuck you. Right, you know, right. Like you're denying our help. So what more can we, can we do for you? So I got uh crier's net worth and amount per episode. Care to guess? Um, amount per episode, I'm going to say around 800,000. Less. Really? Not much less, but less. He's 650. Huh. Started at 550. I was going to say, do we know? Oh, so we end, ended at 650? Because there was, um, there was another interesting thing where, uh, I remember, like every year for a few years, um, the Emmy nominations for best actor in a comedy series uh, Alec Baldwin, Larry David, Don Cheadle for House of Lies, and uh, Steve Carell were all nominated like a few years in a row. And then there would be like uh, John Cryer would be an example, like some guy from some like sh- mediocre network show would also be nominated. And the year Charlie went through all this shit. Uh, a big fuck you to Charlie from the industry was John Cryer winning the Emmy that year for best actor. (laughs) (laughs) 
And it's like you have three. I like and Don Cheadle's a great actor, but and I liked House of Lies, but not many people watched it. But like Jack Donaghy, Larry David, and Michael Scott are three of the greatest sitcom characters ever. Yeah. And they're like, ladies and gentlemen, John Cryer. <laughs> oh, he's insufferable on Twitter. Uh oh, is he? I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but his net worth is at 70. Really? Yeah. Ash- I mean, I know every, a lot of people say, like, you can't really trust these uh, net worth sites, but they can't be that far off, you know? But I think they knew what was happening, though, because Ashton Kutcher was only getting 700 an episode. Oh, that's right. So what, um, how many episodes was Ashton Kutcher on? Four seasons. Four seasons. All right. I was uh, over-exaggerated a little bit. But- I thought it was, like, two. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, no, it, 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 they, they had quite a run. Um, and there was a lot of speculation at the time who they would bring in. It was like, I remember uh, Rob Lowe's name was thrown out there. Hugh Grant went on Howard Stern and essentially said, like, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> like, meaning, I'm sorry, I should have set that up better. Uh, they wanted Hugh Grant. They reached out to Hugh Grant to replace Charlie Sheen. And uh, he was like, boy, TV, I mean, like pretty easy gig, paying you a shit ton of money. And he's like, all right, what would I be doing? And they're like, eh, I don't know. We'll figure it out. And Hugh Grant was like, oh, well, no. <laughs> I have enough money. I can say no. <laughs> no, I'm all right. So good for Hugh Grant for saying that because like the plot line. So the premise of two and a half men is like it's two brothers, one divorced. Uh, who has to come live with the brother and his son. That's the half man. And then all of a sudden it's just John Cryer and Ashton Kutcher, who's playing like a tech billionaire who bought the house that Charlie Sheen used to live in. Who let them. Like, why is this even a show anymore? I don't understand. And let them live there still. <laughs> yeah. It didn't make any sense. Um, I think I remember like Matt Dillon's name being thrown out. Uh, it is. I mean, it's a tough situation because it's like sometimes guys like Chuck Lorre or people at CBS have to think of it as a job as well. Like we're looking at it as artistic integrity. Like why would you keep going? It's horseshit. But right. guys like Chuck Lorre that have to look at money, and to be fair, are looking at like the, the all these people on the cast and crew have jobs there. Right. So it's like, do we just put everyone out of work? And stop making the assured money that a net network sitcom like that will still make, at least for a short run. Like, do we just walk away from all of that? Uh, or do we just keep pumping this cash cow out until we can't anymore? Um, so, you know, as like a, as a fan of comedy and everything, I, I don't necessarily like the decision, but um, he kept a lot of people in work, I guess. Uh, so now are we getting into... Charlie Sheen kind of capitalizing on this. Yeah, the tour. This is downfall. Uh, yeah, so this is a quick uh, promotion for what Charlie Sheen did. Like I said, two and a half men moved on. They went. They found Ashton Kutcher and uh, created a very convoluted plot line and uh, said, we're off to the races. But Charlie Sheen had to figure out his next step. Dog speed, my good soldiers. I gave you my word. This warlock bats 1,000%. You know by now my promises are golden. Hashtag fastball. I am bringing my violent torpedo of truth. Defeat is not an option show out to you in the battlefield. If you're winning, I'll see you there. Trolls need not apply. You all suffer from Sheenus envy. 
buy your ticket, <laughs> take the ride, and the ride will take you. <sighs> Surge forward, Sheen's Cadres. Ignition, liftoff, bye. Imagine, imagine, like, take, take the name Charlie Sheen out of it. Say you're just on YouTube, you stumble across this ad. You're like, oh, what's this? <laughs> and there's just a guy ranting about Sheenus Envy. And <laughs> you know what? I, I got fired up to go. I'll tell you that much. You did? No. I could see you there. I absolutely Enjoy. did not. <laughs> I could see you there enjoying yourself. Uh, yeah. So if you don't remember, the, uh, what was it? Torpedo of Truth? Yes. Violent, violent torpedo of truth. That was it. The violent torpedo of truth tour sets sail, and it is uh, honestly that tour that Charlie Sheen did is a great reason as to why I do this podcast. Actually, in a, in a roundabout way, because uh, I, I, you know. Not one thing in particular triggered it. I just remember looking at like, you know, Stormy Daniels going out and uh, doing stand up or like Jeremy Piven gets canceled and he does stand up. Dustin Diamond is at the bottom of the the uh, Hollywood barrel and he starts doing stand up. Like it seems like whatever for whatever reason, stand up is considered like the lowest level art form that just anyone can do. And like, that's what you do when your back's against the wall. If you have some kind of an audience, you get on stage and pretend you can tell jokes. <laughs> so like the reason I wanted to do this show is like to kind of celebrate the, uh, you know, the great artists, the people that really made stand up. Uh, I think like in m my opinion, but better art form, but certainly equal to, you know, the theater, film, television, whatever. Uh, like I think stand up deserves just as much respect. And I think the Violent Torpedo of Truth tour is a great example as to why uh, not just anyone can do it. That's a fact. I remember well, this is uh, Charlie with Simon Rex talking about some of their experiences. So, right. like, I think uh, I think this might be the first show that they did anywhere. They were in Detroit, and uh, things were not going well, <laughs> say the least. Yeah, they started an exodus leaving, chanting, refund, refund. And as that happened, you go, everyone, dirt nasty. And I came out as they were leaving right. to perform 1980. And I remember, I'll never forget this, as the exodus of people are leaving, they stop in their tracks like, oh, no, he doesn't have like a white rapper in Detroit Eminem country on stage. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm I like didn't. in the I didn't put that together. I didn't either. I didn't and they either. just stopped. And then the booze got even louder. And that yeah. was the tough performance I've ever had to do was pushing through that song as people were leaving and booing and I was like oh dude they started dude. throwing shit they started throwing they shit were I was throwing dodging shit. they were shit. throwing shit at me that's oh. why I started to exit stage left and, and <laughs> insisted that you that you just yeah. get you know well, any, I was your any, record yeah. yeah anybody yeah. but me yeah, yeah. please yeah. occupy the stage well, immediately <laughs> well it's not different that voice is by the way oh yeah um, but yeah so like it's just a shit show. And essentially what the show was, like, I guess they started, they talk in this uh, interview. I think the guy they brought with them for comedy was like Kurt Fox, who like you might've seen, he has like a bit part in parks and rec and shit like that. You've probably seen him in some stuff. Um, I don't know how good a stand up he is, but they would like bring Kurt Fox out to open the show. Then Charlie Sheen would, do some inane ramblings for, I don't know how long really. And then 
to be fair to Charlie, like these people got up and booed. It's like, what were you expecting? No shit. What do you think this? You saw that ad that we just played and thought, well, this is going to be a good show. Hashtag fastball. Honey, we got to hit the theater. <laughs> and he was doing theaters. Like I think he played the Wilbur when he came here to Boston. Like he was doing theaters. Well, it was like uh, the reviews were either just like that one. Yep. Or that people had a good time. There was no in between. It was the well, worst so pile of shit. They recruited uh, Jeff Ross after this. Was that what it was? Um, they they brought in Jeff Ross. I don't know how much stand up he did, or maybe he kind of did with a thing with Charlie on stage um, to make it a little less of a mess. But yeah, the, it, there's a thing where it's like people, these actors think, and uh, you know. It's not just stand-up either. We saw in all those interviews. He thinks he's like this cerebral guy. And to be fair, a lot of that was drugs, like I said. But like actors think they get to a certain point where everyone kisses their ass and they're like, oh, well, I can do anything. I'm an entertainer. And they kind of forget like, oh, people wrote these words for me. These weren't my thoughts. I forgot about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. So, yeah, he went on the uh, Violent Torpedo of Truth tour, and that ended with, um, one. I would say, one of the better roasts from Comedy Central. A thousand percent. Um, and uh, Patrice O'Neill and Amy Schumer and Anthony Jeselnik, uh, Steve-O. This is we've, the, the same roast we talked about uh, in the Jackass episode where uh, Amy Schumer took a shot at Steve-O. Uh, I think Mike Tyson was on it. Yep. Um, quite a quite a cast. But three, uh, Amy was good at the time, and you had Jezelnik and Patrice, two very good comics. Um, and uh, Patrice was obviously the standout of the night. This was, uh, that's the clip we're on, right, by the way, before I get ahead of myself? Yep, and if you want to hear this and you're watching along, go listen to the audio. Oh, yeah, good point. If you're watching on YouTube, this is a good reason to go to the Patreon. Um, you can see the video on Patreon. So go to blindmike.net to make sure you can see the entire video or listen to the audio. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is, so this is probably in part what got stuck in my head that made my memory tell me Charlie Sheen was the good guy in all of this. That's a fact. That's a thousand percent what it was. This is definitely why I thought that, but here's Patrice. I, I, I've turned down many roasts. I have about three or four of them. And I said yes to this, and I'm dead ass serious. I said yes to this because uh, it, I, I respect Charlie Sheen. I do. I, I said yes because I respect not 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 his body of work. Like not. <laughs> it's, it's all been very Christian Slayerish. Like it just like. <laughs> A great comparison. He sucks, but he's he's good, but he sucks at the same time. I think that. His stand that he made uh, against the business, I think this is a fucked up business, but he stood up, he, he still survived, uh, and he proved that nobody can keep like a Sheen down, you know? They can keep a Estevez down, because his brother... <laughs> and he's the good one. He that likes that do one. everything right, and that nigga's career <laughs> is over. Holy shit! Fuck tiger blood, he's selling his own blood to make money. <laughs> but I, I want to say to your eyes, man, I, 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 
I love that you stood up to what you thought was wrong, and uh, I'm impressed by you. And I wanted to say that. Uh, yeah, so that definitely warped my memory. I was like, Patrice is right. Fuck the industry. That clip just almost made me forget what we've done so far today. <laughs> he's, a, he's a powerful speaker. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess Patrice looked at it as like a fuck you to Hollywood because he always wanted to do that. But if you look at it rationally, like we said earlier, it's like this guy was being a fucking maniac. And he was working for a corporation and the corporation said, stop behaving like a maniac. And he said, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, then uh, Charlie Sheen obviously closed out the roast. Uh, and again, this is also, it wasn't just Patrice. I remember this being like a celebration of Charlie Sheen because this went up against Ashton Kutcher's f- debut on two and a half men. Which is uh, it was the same night, I believe. That's so funny. Um, I suspect by design, if Charlie Sheen had any say about it. Um, but yeah, so I remember it being kind of like a victory lap for Charlie Sheen, and this is how he closed the roast out. After Platoon, Wall Street, and Major League, I went on to have the biggest salary on television. Sounds great, right? It was. No, really, it was. <laughs> I did porn stars, I did drugs. I had my own television show. And then, then I did the one thing that everyone in America really wishes they could do. I told my boss to off. And then it was gone. In one fiery public flame out. And it was only when the smoke cleared, I realized just how lucky I am. Because even after all that, I still have a family that loves me. That's why they're not here tonight. Yeah, they've they've seen me in jail. They've seen me rush to emergency rooms. They've seen me dragged into court. But seeing me on basic cable would kill them. But I know, I know that my family will always be there for me. So, what I'm trying to say is that I'm done with the winning because I've already won. And then he got AIDS and may have knowingly given it to some people and called his daughter a whore. But anyways, (laughs) he won that night, I suppose. (laughs) Um, yeah it's interesting because like he's a he's a complicated guy as we'll see in the in the next clip and like i said it's hard to really i mean at the end of the day if you want to just judge it like pros versus cons he's a bad guy particularly with the aids thing i think that really comes into play yeah um but you know it's a, I guess what I'm saying is it's a question of how much sympathy you have for, for drug addicts and what sort of uh, help they seek or the help they turn down, whatever. It's a complicated issue because then you hear a clip like our, this is our last clip, right? Yeah. This is the one that I was saying, pay attention to the other one to compare it. Yeah. So this is where it is. Like he's so first of all, I didn't know this. Exa- I didn't realize he had had this kind of, Epiphany, and there's a few interviews like this. Yeah, I had no clue. Yeah, there's a few interviews that he does, kind of in this same vein. 
Um, but they basically ask him, like, you know, do you do you regret that whole tirade? This is years later. But do you know if I could do it again, if I could go back to that moment where I kind of forced their hand, um, I think I would have stayed. Yeah? I think I would have stayed. Yeah. Yeah, why not? <laughs> How bad could it have been, you know? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so. It's hindsight. When you're in something, it's you don't have the... You don't have the wherewithal to, uh, your, or, or the optics to, to really see, you know, what is right and what is real and, and what really matters and just take yourself out of it and fucking relax and just shut the fuck up and go back to work. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's that. At the time, you were quite convincing in that it was the right decision for you to, mm. to move. But looking back, yeah. No, nah, should have stayed. That's all right. Yeah, and he said he, he regrets it and he's embarrassed by all those, like, you know, all the tiger blood and the shit we were saying, like, that people quoted for a while. He's, like, embarrassed by all of it. So it's interesting to hear him have this sober, literally and figuratively, this sober moment, you know, mm. where he's kind of like, yeah, no, I should have stepped by. Would have really been that bad, you know, collected. He's also maybe looking at his bank account based on what Craig is reporting here, saying, yeah, I should have stayed. That's multiple websites reporting that, that number. <laughs> that's, that's wild. I didn't realize he had lost that much money. But yeah, there's... Um, and, you know, like, he was critical of uh, Ashton Kutcher and, like I said, John Cryer and the network and everything. And in these interviews that he does, he says, like, hey, Ashton was in an unwinnable position, you know? Like, they offered him a shit ton of money to do, you know, a handful of episodes of television. And he said, sure. And everyone trashed him for it. <laughs> you know, and you're like he's, he's replacing a guy who had this massive public flame out and on the show when it was number one and everything, like it's tough to replace that. And so he defended Kutcher. He defended John Cryer. It's interesting to hear him have this kind of epiphany. If you go back and watch some of those interviews that he did, um, in the following years, but then, like I said, they you, you weigh that versus uh, all the negative shit that he's done, and it's like how much sympathy do you give the guy? It's, it's in my opinion, it's hard to judge. In some people's opinion, it's probably very easy, and you say, "Hey, he did this horrible shit." It doesn't matter if you're a drug addict, you know, right? Um, but yeah, he's a, uh, a very interesting guy, and like I said, he's done some pretty horrible things. Um, so it's funny. Then I, I, I was wrong about his whole uh, tirade. I thought of it very differently at the time. And then, you know, in, in recent months, like I've heard um, a couple podcasts say like, Oh, we got, we should have Charlie Sheen on. I, I think the entourage guys that do a podcast had Charlie Sheen on a couple times. And I never listened to it. Cause in my, I was like, Oh, like he's this crazy piece of shit. I don't want to listen to him. And then I listened to these interviews for this episode and I was like, Oh, it seems like he's had a change. Well, he's a changed man. almost. I would love know? to know what the behind the stage, uh, behind the scenes stuff for his shows and movies would be like, if he was doing that thing, then yeah. 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 Uh, a very interesting guy. And it was a very interesting public flame out. Um, one of the most epic and well, <laughs> I didn't mean to quote him, but that was fun. You're winning. Uh... <laughs> yes, he was winning. And uh, Tiger Blood, what's the Warlocks, whatever, all the, all the catchphrases. Uh, ghouls. Yes. But, you know, um, one of the most public in the sense that 
pretty much any time before that. Like I said, I gave the handful of examples, Michael Richards, Mel Gibson, um, Alec Baldwin. You had these things go viral on uh, uh, Pat O'Brien, I think is another one from like entertainment tonight or something. He had a voicemail go viral where he's like talking dirty to some woman. These were like the early days of YouTube. That's what really got YouTube to catch on was these kind of viral clips like that. And in pretty much any year prior, or certainly any generation prior, um, if you were hearing something like this, it was all filtered through the media. Whereas this, we were watching in real time. Like, like Craig was saying, he was on Toucher and Rich for like three hours smoking butts and talking shit, <laughs> you know? So, like, you were literally watching it in real time. It was uh, pretty wild. It, it's, it, if you can find the audio for that, it's just so funny hearing those two. And then Charlie Sheen being like, yeah, let me tell you about. <laughs> yeah, I found a bunch of radio clips, but I don't know if they were that interview. I think it might have been like Alex Jones or something that he was on. But Got it. Um. All right. I don't know. Anything else before we uh, wrap it up? I wish he didn't do the AIDS thing. <laughs> well, hey, we all do. No, because it's like hard to defend him. Really. He was in a blackout. You know, that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, it's it's uh it's tough. It's tough to judge. It's a tough one. Lest ye be judged, folks. <laughs> uh, all right. You guys know what to do. Blindmike.net is the place to be. If you like these episodes and you can't wait a week, you say, Mike, I need them now. I need them a week early, baby. Then go to blindmike.net, subscribe to the Patreon. Uh, Maybe consider getting yourself some merch. There's a merch link there as well. All kinds of hoodies and shirts and whatnot. Um, Or if you say, Mike, these times are tough. You know, I don't have Patreon money. How else can I support you? Then just go to all the free links, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google play. All of those are up at blindmike.net. You can also find who are these socials with me and Carl and the blind Mike project. The links for those programs are up there as well. So visit blindmike.net get yourself subscribed for free or for a few bucks. Um, do that right now. And if you want to check out Craig and all that he's doing, go to uh, verygoodshow.org. That's where Craig's program and his Patreon is. You. Um, all right, guys. Oh, next week, by the way, we are getting back to an old school legend. And like I said, I, I, I think a lot of people, I know a lot of people like the kind of storytelling episodes like this, where we're kind of going through a thing that happened and telling the story. Um, but I do recommend, like, I like the Mort Saul episode. I like the Steve Martin episode. Um, you know, Lenny Bruce, three stooges. When we do older guys like that, that even if you know them, maybe you weren't familiar with their career. Yeah. Um, I do recommend them. So I, hopefully the Mel Brooks one will be good as well. Um, no matter how familiar you are with Mel Brooks or how much of a fan you are, hopefully you'll, uh, you'll enjoy it. That'll be next week. Um, and until next time. On uh, how do I end this? I forget. We'll talk to you guys next time on Why You Laughing. That's what it is. Goodbye.